0: Welcome back to Tay Learning, I'm Olivia, I'm Danny, and we are your co-hosts and we are super excited for this episode in particular, we are going to be sharing our personal Swifty journeys, how we became the crazy Taylor Swift fans we are
1: today
0: (laughs) and this is also a special episode for us in particular.
1: It is a special episode because Olivia and I met just over two years ago. So it's a friend anniversary episode. <laughs> we kind of got the timing off. I don't know why we met. We thought we met somewhere in like the mid-20s of June and that was not correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was mixing together when I met you and when I met uh, my boyfriend because I met him in the 20s of July and I met you in the teens of June. So I was mixing them together, but that's fine. Uh, we met like June 18th. 2020. Yes. <laughs> oh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> it was a <laughs> magical day and I'm so happy that it happened, but a lot happened before we met.
0: Yes. So Danny, if you wanted to start, take us on your
1: Swifty journey through the years, how did you get here? I would love to kick it off. So we're going to throw it back in time. It's 2006 Think jeans with skirts on the red carpet. Think the sweet <laughs> life of Zach and Cody. That's what we're trying to get into here, this vibe. I'm in middle school, and my mother is trying to impress me and my sister with how on the cusp of pop culture and music she is. So she buys me and my sister Kate Taylor Swift, the album not the person and <laughs> she too bad she gives it to us and the reason she bought it for us was because Kate and I were really into music and tried writing our own music and stuff like that and she wanted to show us look girls this is possible for someone who's not that much older than you I was trying to eke out of my country phase when I first heard debut and that didn't really stop me from enjoying it. I just listened to it and was like, yeah, this is fun. This is nice. But I really got into it when I heard Tim McGraw on the radio for the first time Mm -hmm. when I was like reading Charlotte's web or something for school, I hear Tim McGraw and I'm like, oh my gosh, other people know who this person is. So now I should invest (laughs) my time. I'm such a follower. Like, I guess it's cool. So (laughs) yeah, I guess it's cool because the radio hath told me it is. So I went ahead and really listened to the album. I got into it a lot. I hyper fixated on Should Have Said No and literally sang it like at a oh. fair, like a county fair type thing. Not should Have Said fair. No is so good, though. You should have
0: mm. said no. You should have gone home. You should have twice you let it all go. should have known word. The favorite. My favorite off a of debut. Hey! <laughs> we
1: never, have, we the never have the same opinion. <laughs> I love should have said no. I sang it. It wasn't a county fair. It was like a little town yeah. fair thing. And I was so into it. And I had no <laughs> one to feel that way about because I was like 11. No, I was like 10. I don't know. So debut comes out. I really enjoy it. A couple of years later, Fearless comes out. And Fearless, I don't know if you remember, came out around the same time Twilight did. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, remember. yeah. I loved both. <laughs> I know. I should have known. And so I went to go see Twilight. And was hanging out with this group of friends for somebody's birthday and we were like listening to fearless and getting really into it and that was kind of like my stage of life that i associate as twilight fearless love i love. was again trying not to be in my country phase so i listened to it and was like yeah this is fine but this is more my friends thing than it is mine speak right. now comes out and i'm really detached from taylor swift just because i am fully out of my country phase i have moved mm-hmm. on to other things. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I didn't start knowing more about Speak Now until like recently, honestly, which is why I'm so excited for the re-release. Fast forward, we get to Red. And (laughs) when Red came out in 2012, I was peak One Direction stan. I directioner. (laughs) I was a directioner to my very core. And if anybody's listening to this that knew me during that time, you know how obnoxious I was. I had One Direction, Everything. I was obsessed. I wrote fan fiction, which I never I was gonna thought. Say, do I out you? Yeah, I was, like, I was like, I don't know if I want to out myself. No, it's been ten years. I can out myself. I wrote fan fiction, and at my peak, I had over ten thousand readers. Yeah, on one, of, <laughs> on one of my love triangle fan fiction, and I could not tell anyone at school <laughs> how cool I was on you the were internet. Famous. Yeah, but, and I don't even remember my Wattpad sign in. <laughs> I'm sure that my fans out there are like, whatever happened? The cliffhanger of a lifetime. <laughs> literally. But I uh, couldn't really get into red because Haler was like a curse word on Twitter. And I looking back, I'm sure that a lot of that was because of like the deeply rooted misogyny against Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift and all these girls thinking that they had a shot with Harry Styles. I was never one of those girls like, oh my God, I have a shot with Harry Styles. That was never something that crossed my mind. But again, when it comes to pop culture things for a long time, I considered myself a follower and it was the hot and popular thing to hate on Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure too, like as a boy band fan, you kind of have high standards who your boys end up with. And Taylor was like publicly hated on. So that is so
1: true. Mm-hmm. A great take and true. We had opinions as like a collective fan base. It mattered who they were dating yeah. and it wasn't a super hot, sexy time to love Taylor Swift. She wasn't at like the peak of her media hate. I don't think. Um, Cause we and know she was at it. like one of the peaks of her dating criticisms, you know? I would agree with that. That was the time when really inappropriate memes were circling the internet regarding Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift sexually. And it was just beyond inappropriate. Yeah. So we all had opinions. And I, in retrospect, wish I hadn't gave those opinions, especially so publicly. We were young. We were young. We were young. You you live Uh, and you grow and you learn. I appreciate that. Uh, That was kind of what was going on. During red, which sucked because I liked the music. It was starting to get poppy. I was enjoying it, but I had to very privately enjoy it because my one direction stand persona would not allow me to publicly appreciate it. It's like a guilty pleasure. (laughs) Yes. Literally a guilty pleasure. Well, somehow one direction was my public pleasure. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. I don't like saying public pleasure. Oh, I take it back. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) So then we fast forward. It's 2014. I'm a freshman in college and oh my God, 1989 is the best. <laughs> I try not to be like, oh my God, it's the best, but oh my God, it was the best. I remember watching the blank space music video and being like, I want to emulate whatever character she's pretending to be. Like who ready? I want in my I don't even. i don't even want to be taylor swift i want to be whatever caricature of taylor swift she was acting out in blank space <laughs> to have men that obsessed with me that i could be that crazy and they won't leave yes. until it's
0: like
1: way bad um
0: and the whole line boys only want love if it's, if torture. it's torture
1: like <laughs> facts faxes boys only want love if it's torture um and when shake it off came out at the beginning of freshman year, I wasn't super into shake it off, but I thought it was fun. And we used it at like every orientation and every opening yeah. college class. So I associated that with how much I enjoyed my freshman year of college, which I truly, truly did. And once the entire album dropped, I didn't really get into it super quickly. Mm-hmm. It definitely was like a slow burn type situation. Yeah. But in 2015, I started listening to it more. I really loved that time of my life. Like I said, my freshman year of college was so much fun for me. And I associate that album with that in a lot of ways. And that feeling of being yeah. young and fun, bad blood comes out the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And I love that summer and bad blood. Well, one of the least liked songs for Swifties on that album. I loved that music video. I loved that song. Yeah. I love Kendrick Lamar <laughs> still do. So I love that song. And baby, now we got bad blood. Hey! Fingers
0: um, crossed for a uh, bad blood Taylor's version. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh God! Please, Taylor. Please, Kendrick. Convince her. <laughs> Why don't you just call Taylor up? <laughs> so. <Gosh. laughs> Also that summer, I started to go back and listen to Taylor Swift's catalog to like fill in Mm -hmm. what I'd missed because I realized what I was missing out on. And I posted this like photo on Instagram of me with red lipstick, wearing a red tank top, like looking all somber, you know, the one I'm talking about the caption said, but loving him was red. Red. And I felt so deep. (laughs) Uh, I was like, I'm a little late (laughs) on the upkick here, but I was so like infatuated with this guy, my freshman year of college. So. Obviously I had to like do something emo and deep and man, Taylor really spoke to me. I was so heartbroken God. and red is the heartbreak album. It is,
0: is the one to cry to if you need a good cry,
1: it really is. So we fast forward, uh, 2016, I'm in Australia. I'm studying abroad. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff is happening with Kimye at the time. Yeah, and we'll go into more detail for
0: those of you who don't know, but there was a lot of drama and she got kicked off the internet.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, she got fully canceled. This is all happening while I've got a lot of personal stuff going on. I'm 10,000 miles away from home. I really don't care much, but I'm aware of mm-hmm. it. So I kind of detach and I'm like, "Ooh, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not going to get back in." Yeah, yikes. I'm not going to get yikes. back into the Taylor Swift thing. No. Following year, Look What You Made Me Do comes out in 2017. I don't like Look What You Made Me Do very much. I still don't like it very much. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like it at the time because while I understand now it was intended to be ironic and campy, it just sounded as bitter to somebody who didn't have this like deeply yeah, rooted. You didn't have the context. Feeling you know? and understanding. Oh, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me do. So when Reputation came out, I was really resistant to listen to it because yeah. I was like, I don't want to listen to this bitter album. And as a casual fan at the time, I didn't really know that Joel Wynn existed. I didn't know that Reputation no. was a love album. Yeah, because she did such a good job at portraying
0: Reputation as a bitter album on the outside. and you, And if you didn't vibe with that because you didn't understand what was going on in her life, you had no desire to, you know, do a deep dive into it and figure out that it was an actually great album.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That's totally fair. (laughs) And I didn't even like try to, I don't think I had a friend, her name was Katie. She's still my friend, but she was trying to convince me to listen to it when I visited her in Boston. And I was like, I have no interest. I get that you like it. I don't goodbye. Fast forward. My sister, Kate gets really into Taylor Swift, loves reputation. She's trying to convince me as well. I'm not into it. 2019. 2019 was a really rough year for me. I lost one of my best friends. I lived in a city I'd never lived in with hardly any money. Mm -hmm. I went through a crippling, devastating breakup and lover comes out. Big old
0: slap in the face.
1: Yeah, like, it felt personal. (laughs) I I was going through this emotional turmoil. I was devastated. The people that I thought cared about me the most ended up evidently caring about me the least. And Taylor Swift, who's known for her heartbreak songs, comes out with this beautiful- Hello world, I'm happy now. (laughs) I'm happy now. And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding? The person I was relying on- I, I needed red. The person I was relying on to- Like be there with me was like, sorry, (laughs) girly. I'm happy now. I'm at peace now. (laughs) I enjoy lover when I listen to it, but I'm also emotionally just cracked. Like death by a thousand cuts resonated with me really hard and everything else. And I forgot that you existed and everything else. I was like, screw off. I don't want this. Um, but Kate's like, no, you'll like it once you're not sad anymore. And I was like, I'm, I'm always going to be sad. Kate, go away. It's the end of the world. And turns out it was not the end of the world. And then we get to 2020. Yeah. Where we met, where we met. And I want to know what happened to you up to well, us meeting in your Swifty journey. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Unlike you I did not know Taylor Swift existed during her debut era I maybe knew about teardrops on my guitar but I I knew about the song did not know the artist that went along with it I don't know it's like a hazy time I I I think I knew about teardrops on my guitar but I could be just assuming that but love story comes out and blows up so of course I'm aware of Taylor Swift now that love story is out there in the world And I get the Fearless album on CD for Christmas. And I fall head over heels in love with Fearless. (laughs) That is my big nostalgic album for Taylor. And I have such great memories listening through all the songs with the lyric book open, learning all the lyrics. And I became a massive Taylor Swift fan in that time. I backtracked, also ended up loving debut. Speak Now came out this like... Era of Taylor Swift kind of blends together for me because all the music sounds pretty similar. And I was a massive fan to the point where she was like my all time favorite celebrity. And celebrities at that time in my life, this is like early high school, celebrities are a big deal to me. I have a Taylor Swift shrine in my bedroom from, you know, those like the M magazines or like Teen Bop, whatever. I don't yeah. even tie with, with one direction. You know? <laughs> Literally me
1: with one direction.
0: So I had a shrine of Taylor Swift, but I also had, you know, Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Jonas Brothers were my boy band. I had them all over too, but Taylor Swift had her own wall. (laughs) She had a grip.
1: She had a grip on your throat.
0: Yeah, that was that was my girl. However, as a massive fan, I will admit I did not know anything about her personal life. Besides what was like posted in those magazines, but like nothing serious. I didn't really know who she was dating. I mean, she did date Joe Jonas briefly, and I knew about that. And for some reason, as a big Joe Bros fan and Joe Jonas being my like favorite dream boy of all time, I didn't resent Taylor during that. I don't know how I didn't pick a side during that, but I did not pick a side. I am envious. I don't know. Of you and your ability to not do that. Yeah. And then especially she dated Taylor Lautner too, who I was team Jacob in twilight. So I don't know how I didn't pick a side there either. I don't know. I just love them all. <laughs> I don't have, I don't know what to say. Basically moral of the story is I didn't really pay attention to her, her personal life that much. So when I listened to her music, I related it really heavily to my life. And, um, fearless and speak now were exactly what I needed in the exact time in my life I was such a hopeless romantic I would cry after a boy that I talked to for one week um dumb me I'd cry over him for like three months and listen to you're not sorry and white horse and like
1: you know it was just
0: it, it spoke to me <laughs> yeah. when I had a crush on someone like the way that she would explain having a crush on someone is the exact way I would explain having a crush on something on someone Like, so she really, really, really spoke to my heart at that time. Yeah. And then Red came out in 2012. I was a senior in high school. And this is when the pop shift happened. And I know I'm not the only one that noticed the pop shift. Like, I, I know that Red is still considered a country album, but come on. I Knew You Were Trouble is not a country song. It is not. <laughs> that is
1: pop. <laughs> that is pop. That's bordering EDM. I knew you were trouble when you walked in.
0: Yeah. So it's very 2012 pop. (laughs) So that happened. And I was like, Ooh, I don't like the pop. I want her old stuff. (laughs) And I didn't really consider Fearless or Speak Now to be super country. I just considered Taylor Swift to be her own genre. (laughs) I didn't think I was listening to country when I was listening to Taylor Swift, except for debut. Um, But Red was very obviously pop and I liked what she was doing in Fearless Speak Now. But I I did get the red album on CD. I did listen to it all the way through. I didn't know most of the words, to most of the songs, but I was a lot less attached to that album, despite going through a breakup in 2012. What the fuck? But you know, it's fine. Uh, (laughs) Can't relate. Um, No one dated me. (laughs) I don't know. Just the pop thing. Just, I didn't love. And then I went to college where... Taylor Swift wasn't cool. You know, it wasn't cool to like Taylor Swift. I mean, it wasn't like explicitly uncool in my experience. I didn't really talk to anybody who hated Taylor or said anything bad about her, but I was in Greek life. So I spent a lot of my social time at frats where Taylor Swift wasn't being played, you know, like maybe they'd play shake it off, but that was like it in terms of playing a Taylor Swift song.
1: Truly a crime in retrospect, if you want to attract women to your frat house, play Taylor Swift, pro tip. Yeah,
0: wrong move. (laughs) So they played a lot of like trap rap, you know, Mm -hmm. and very, very mainstream pop. And I didn't really have a lot of friends. And um, so I just kind of adapted to what was cool so I could make friends. And then i started dating a guy in a frat so i basically lived at the frat and i was very into the you know very mainstream pop and the trap rap that they listen to despite its issues um that's what <laughs> i listened to so <laughs> 1989 era is happening and i'm so detached from taylor swift my mom buys me the cd for 1989 for christmas i listened through it once at christmas i only know shake it off you know just i'm very detached and then Taylor Swift disappears and I don't even notice that she's gone. <laughs> you know, oh. I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh no, I was so detached. I mean, I knew there was drama, but I noticed Taylor having drama with people during 1989. Like her feud with Katy Perry rubbed me wrong and the bad blood rubbed me wrong cause it was, you know, a petty revenge song. And I just didn't have context in her life to understand why she felt this way about people. And when she came back with Look What You Made Me Do, I was in the same boat as you, Danny. Uh, as, you know, this is a bitter song. People can't make you do things. Stop blaming people for like your actions. It's kind of how I felt. I was aware of the phone call drama, but I didn't really have a side. I wasn't anti-Taylor Swift. I was just like, you know, of course she's in a feud with somebody else. I, I-, I feel like she's always in a feud with somebody. And so I became really detached personally. Not that I was really attached To her personal life in the first place but her music stopped relating to me agreed which is where i kind of had my shift so then when reputation comes out look what you made me do comes out i still get down to it look what you made me do was played at bars and i enjoyed it i knew the words but i did not believe in the stance of the song and in 2018 if you're somebody that talked to me about Taylor Swift in 2018, I'm sure I said verbatim, I don't like Taylor Swift. All of her songs are about revenge and karma. That's going to get you for what you did to her. And I just can't vibe with that. I, I said those words.
1: Woof. I probably said something similar. So I feel you. Yeah. And on top of that,
0: during her 1989 era when she was hanging around all these white skinny models and that's those are the only people she would hang out with and she like flaunted her friends everywhere it just felt really disingenuous to me looking back clearly she has insecurity issues with making friends and being cool and that's totally valid but I I just I didn't know that at the time because I didn't know about her life Mm -hmm. so I do end up listening to Reputation and I do really like it. However, I made the stance that I don't like Taylor Swift, so therefore no one can know that I listen to Reputation pretty often in my free time and I like it. So it's a big (laughs) guilty pleasure for me. Huge guilty pleasure, no one can know, okay? So It Goes was my favorite song off of Reputation, which is like an underrated favorite song. It's good. So it goes, it's good. God. So (laughs) I'm a little open to listening to Taylor Swift now, but looking back on my life, Red in 1989, I can't distinguish the difference between them. That's how detached I was at that point. I would confuse Red in 1989 with each other, which is wild. (laughs) So then Lover comes out and I'm just curious. So I listen to it and it turns my world upside down lover is the only thing i can listen to for 3 months straight i don't listen to the radio i don't listen to any other artist i don't listen to any other album by taylor swift it's lover on repeat for days days and days and days for 3 months straight oh my
1: gosh lover changed my life this is this is why she is such a lover stan because it it brought you back in it really made made me so happy (laughs) god I wish I'd had that experience I truly. and I mean in my personal life I was kind of
0: going through it then too my current boyfriend and I um we had kind of a rough start he didn't want to date me and I wanted to date him really bad so I cried about him all the time and that was like when lover came out I was crying about this guy I wanted to date but lover would make me feel at peace. Like there is hope for the future. Even if this doesn't work out,
1: (laughs) it's so funny that that was, (laughs) it's so funny that we heard that album completely differently. Like I heard, okay, everyone gets to be happy except for me and you heard, okay, everybody gets to be happy at some point. Like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and I just, oh, it still gives me that feeling sometimes when I drive around and listen to it This is such a weird thing that it makes me think of, but whenever Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince comes on, or I think he knows and I'm driving in my car, I just think back to that time in my life when the only big errands I would run in my life was driving to go get my nails done to listening to Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince and just like, God, I wish I could give you a scoop of what that album felt for me in 2019, because it was just pure serotonin.
1: (laughs) God, I wish I could do that with 1989 for you, since I know that you are so detached and I was very privately into it. Yeah. But it reminds me of freshman year, which again, (laughs) I moved on from college, but when I, when I want to feel like I don't have care in the world, nothing matters. I didn't have a job yet. I didn't understand the student loans that I was signing up for Mm -mm. (laughs) that feeling. (laughs) you cannot replicate it.
0: And so for those of you who don't know, um, Danny lives in Kansas city. I live in Michigan and in 2019, I lived in Michigan. Boy, I wanted to date, move to Kansas city. The one that would make me cry. Sometimes the one I'm dating currently, (laughs) we don't talk about that anymore. can't (laughs) wait for him to listen to this. (laughs) I already give him so much shit. But so we eventually, we do get together and I moved to Kansas city where I met Danny. Um, We were both two lonely
1: souls (laughs) swiping on Bumble BFF. We were, and I was pretty picky about who I matched with on Bumble BFF because like nothing gave me more fear than matching with somebody and trying to be friends with them and realizing, oh, I detest this person. So I was really picky. Bumble
0: BFF. Yeah. Bumble BFF is scarier than like dating apps. Yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. I, I don't know what to say to these people.
1: <laughs> what do I, like, I say to you? Trying to date somebody from an app and it doesn't work or there's not chemistry or whatever. It's not like it's easy to do, but like it's easier mm-hmm. to be like, hey, I'm not jiving with this because in traditional relationships that we're familiar with. It's like one person with friends, you can have so many of them. So, how yeah. the hell are you gonna tell someone, I don't like you so much that I don't even wanna occasionally go see a movie with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot more pressure somehow. I you
0: know. And for me too, I get like social anxiety. I don't know what to say to people. And with, you know, romantic dating if you don't know what to say you can just default to you're so cute (laughs) but you can't do that with platonic friends I mean like once you get close with your platonic friends it feels fine but when you're talking to a girl platonically as a girl and you don't know what to say to them you're not gonna be like you're so cute
1: yeah no she's gonna be like
0: that's not what I want from this no thank
1: you (laughs) yeah no that's that's an immediate like um this is Bumble BFF. We're right? not on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hear you and we so were both scared. horribly nervous and horribly scared. And yeah. I love when I tell people the story of us meeting, I absolutely love to tell them that we both tried to beat each other to the bar. God. But I guess I should back up a little bit. We were messaging one another about uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I went on a limb
0: for you. I don't message anybody first. And I messaged you first.
1: I don't. horrified <laughs> to message you first. <laughs> Olivia is. I thought you were too cool for me. Fox. I thought you were too cool for me. Have you like- seen
0: yourself?
1: You scared me. <laughs> but Olivia did message me first, and we talked about Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I think we maybe went like five messages back and forth before I was like, mm-hmm. "You want to hang out?" <laughs> and I said yes. <laughs> she did. Be my friend. <laughs> and I tried to beat her to the bar. Um, like we were going to meet you at did six. You did beat me to the bar. Yes. You got we there were gonna... really early. You got there a half hour before me, right? Yes, because we were supposed to be there at six and I wrapped up my workday at like five and was like, <laughs> well, I'm going to throw up if I hang around here waiting to go to this bar. So I just walked down there early and knocked back a drink before Olivia could get there because I was so nervous. You gave me so much
0: anxiety when you said you were already there because- <laughs> My thing is I hate, I've done this on romantic dates in my Tinder days before too. I would go into a bar, they'd explain where they were and I wouldn't be able to recognize them in person. And I'd walk by them like an idiot
1: and I wouldn't be able to find them. Word, I it, I panic. I absolutely panic when people tell me I'm already there no matter what, which is why in my message to you, I was so detailed. I was like, turn in, I'm immediately to your right and I'm wearing a green dress. Like- I know, but you, you said that to me and I- my anxiety just took over and
0: i looked to the right and i was like where's the green dress, and then oh, I, waved. The green
1: dress. I waved i waved because i saw you come in and look just as shell-shocked as i was did you have a <laughs> glass of wine beforehand sue yes i did i tried a glass of wine before i
0: walked over to the bar excellent
1: so we sat
0: and we got our little bomb pop martinis or whatever yeah. And then we proceeded to hang out for six hours.
1: The rest (laughs) is history. Yeah. Just balance from place to place. Didn't wrap up. It was a work night. Didn't wrap up to like two in the morning. (laughs) It was awesome. And we we just kept hanging out like consistently over the next few weeks. Yeah. And one month later,
0: folklore dropped at midnight.
1: (laughs) It did drop at midnight. And we both had active COVID cases at the time. Yes. So we just got to sit and listen and absorb beauty that is folklore. We were genuinely quarantining. So we just Mm -hmm. sat and listened. I remember it came out at midnight. It came out at midnight and I was laying in bed. I was at my parents' place because that's where I was quarantining to wrap up the end of my COVID case. And so I was laying in my bed, comes out and my friend, now roommate, Rebecca was like, Hey, I want your thoughts on this. And I say, okay. So I listened through folklore and I gave this very detailed song by song review, rating them on a scale of one to 10, putting in commentary. I go back and I read that message sometimes out of curiosity and we should, whenever we do our folklore review, I definitely want to talk about that message, but I don't know what I was thinking It like 2020. One in the morning, two in the morning when I was looking <laughs> at these songs, because my opinion definitely changed, but I didn't know at the time that you were like truly a Swifty. So yeah. I should have texted you. I should have called you, but folklore hit me yeah, hard because I, I was quarantining. I was alone and obviously it's an emotional album. So what was it oh, like yeah. when it came out for you? So
0: she announced it, what, like less than 24 hours before it dropped. She said it's dropping tonight at midnight. So when that um, announcement came out, I lost my shit and forced my boyfriend to sit down and listen to every single Taylor Swift album in chronological order with me. Excellent. <laughs> so I did not listen to Folklore at Midnight because we were very tired from listening to, <laughs> to seven Taylor Swift albums in a row. <laughs> Excellent. But the next day um, I did listen to it and I wasn't prepared for the genre switch. I was taken off guard, but I did not dislike it. It was just a genre that I wouldn't have naturally listened to I think that's kind of an interesting phenomenon with Swifties for a brief tangent here I will listen to whatever that woman puts out I will like whatever genre that woman decides is her vibe at the time and my music taste changed with hers it feels like I would never have sought out anything that sounded like folklore had it not been Taylor Swift
1: So folklore was very much in line with a lot of stuff that I've traditionally really loved. Like I love Bon Iver, for example, I like Phoebe Bridgers. There's a lot of stuff on that album. That's stuff that I already loved. I just wasn't anticipating it from her. Mm -hmm. But as soon as she announced, I was driving to my parents' house when she announced that it was coming out. And I remember saying like, um, it's the one direction 10 year anniversary and Taylor Swift is dropping a new album at (laughs) I'm young again. And the name Folklore automatically indicated to me, I was like, we are in for an emotional turmoil ride, a gut punch that is going to be done through music. And during that time in, you know, the summer of 2020, when we're all going through this really emotional time during the pandemic, I was prepared to be emotionally gutted. And I was, I was ready. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. And I, I hear that album and I think, of you and i think of rebecca texting me i think of meeting matt i think of a lot of things that surround that album that make me really happy yeah it really marked that
0: summer i mean despite us having covid um once we recovered i just have really fond memories i guess with folklore as the soundtrack you know so i don't know i just folklore was a really good thing
1: It really was. It was an excellent career move. It was an excellent personal decision. It impacted me personally very strongly. And Mm -hmm. evidently the world felt the same because it did end up winning album of the year at the Grammys. And it did, it defines 2020. I mean, there's a song on there that details the COVID pandemic, comparing it to war. Yes,
0: the trauma that our frontliners faced.
1: So that song is Epiphany your hand to plastic now Dark, I think she's crashing out and it really does grab all of 2020 and smush it into an album a beautiful album exactly. and I, I'm glad that I got to experience it with you
0: yes and I feel like too it was really valuable to experience the hype of a Taylor Swift album together. I feel like that's what really began our journey as crazy swifties. Folklore is what got me to start buying merch and start collecting vinyls. <laughs> so um it was my trigger for being crazy. Lover was my trigger for falling in love with Taylor again and Folklore was my trigger for being insane.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. I feel like yeah, Folklore I don't even know if Folklore was my trigger for being insane. Mm-hmm. I feel like that might have really kicked in during the Red re-release, uh, but like I always really love Taylor Swift. But being yeah. friends with you really like engaged that. Living with a really heavy Swifty, really engaged that. Evermore came out in December of 2020, and I'm not going to mm. lie to you, I was still living so deeply in folklore that I could not give Evermore the attention that it undoubtedly deserves.
0: Yes, same. I I kind of have a thing with most albums, Lover included, on my very first listen through, where I think it's okay. And I've realized about myself with my music taste that I love music that I'm very familiar with. So in order to make me like a song, you just have to play it around me a lot. <laughs> I have to know the words. <laughs> so so when Evermore first came out, I remember you asked me what I thought about it, and I was like, eh, it's okay. Uh because I wasn't familiar with it yet. Um, but as I grew to be more familiar with Evermore, I discovered one of my top three favorite Taylor Swift songs of all time on it, which was Tolerate It. My should be celebrated, tolerate it. So that one was pretty significant for me. And then she announced her re-releases.
1: She did. Evermore for me. Again, I felt very similarly. It didn't really strike me in re listening to it, like going back and listening and trying to absorb it because I was living so deeply in folklore. It needed its own moment in giving mm. it its own moment, which I've had plenty of time recently to do since Taylor has put us on a song strike. Uh, <laughs> it, it gave me, it gave us Ivy. Which yes. is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, probably it's one of my favorite so songs pretty. of all time. I will not be surprised if it is the number one listened to song on my Spotify this year. I love it's that probably for you. Uh, it's probably <laughs> up against a band Camino song if I'm being honest. But um, <laughs> the re-releases were announced, and I'm not gonna lie. I know you were excited about it when she said she was starting with Fearless. I was like, okay, I lost it. That I gosh <laughs> I don't even have words <laughs> I so I was like yeah okay Fearless is fine I remember Love Story came out like Valentine's Day of 2021 I was staying at my boyfriend's place and he woke mm-hmm. me up in the morning with Love Story Taylor's version and he's like That's so cute the first Taylor's <laughs> version song like it was it was very adorable
0: uh so <sighs> yeah on the was day that, that um the album actually came out the fearless taylor's version kaz woke up and i was getting ready for work at this time in my life i had to be to work at 6 30 and it was a half hour drive i woke up really early so i would always be up before him so i'm like sitting next to him doing my makeup at my desk next to our bed and he rolls over like all sleep eyes and goes happy taylor swift album day and then rolls over and falls back asleep
1: my god that's magical (laughs) Well, that album came out and we'll, we'll talk about the releases in depth at some point. I'm sure mm-hmm. my quick note to that when I, I didn't listen to it until we hung out, but I was not super happy about the album cover. Cause I felt like it was very folklorian and I wish <laughs> that it had stayed a little bit more true to the original, but I don't know what the copyright right. laws there look like, but Second, especially after hearing Love Story, the re-recording, I was like, oh, she's staying true to the OGs, which is what she needed yeah. to do for this to be successful. Oh, yeah. I, was very,
0: I was very excited, but very, very nervous considering how significant Fearless is to me. I have the original Fearless on vinyl, so I do listen to it every now and then because there's something about her really um, young, immature voice that is super nostalgic for me. And although she did do an amazing job at staying true to the original recordings. There are some like parts in certain songs that the original vocal recording is so nostalgic for me that there's no way that she could have hit it perfectly. Yeah. So I had some mild disappointments, but overall it was amazing.
1: Yeah. You can't replicate an 18 year old's voice, even if it's your own yeah. voice, you can't do And it, an 18 so. year
0: old's emotions over the songs too. Like
1: it is what it exactly. is, but but we listened to the re-release together we drank wine and we sat and we listened to the fearless yeah. re-release together we weren't like silent for the full time like just taking it all in we were chatting but we were absorbing the fact that it, this was new and somehow old it was nostalgic and somehow fresh and that yeah. was and
0: it also marked the start of the re-recording era too so it was just a very very exciting time
1: Soon after she announces that Red is going to be re released, and she definitely did that a shade. She released it on, released that announcement on Scooter Braun's birthday, I'm pretty sure. Yes. No. She
0: did? Is that, she did? Yep. Taylor Swift announces re recorded Red album on Scooter Braun's birthday
1: absolutely petty. She announces it for like six months in the future. So we get six months to prepare for this free release. It's dropping 30 songs. We know from her announcement that one of them is going to be 10 minutes long. Obviously it's all too well. We're ready. And I make the active decision to fly directly from one of my (laughs) events to Michigan where context, I moved back to Michigan. (laughs) She did. She ended up moving back to Michigan um, at the end of last year. So I fly out to Michigan and we spend like that entire day, like getting ready for it. And we wore, um, red outfits. We made tomato soup cause it was red. We drank red wine and neither of us put on red, red, red lipstick, wine. even though we weren't leaving the living room. <laughs> like I have so much weird nostalgia for that weekend. Not just cause I got to it hang out in beautiful. Michigan with you, but it was, oh God, it's that audio. And we listened on to the album
0: in silence too this time. We, we really absorbed it. Absorbed it. it.
1: Um, I will that never TikTok forget. Audio that's like, it was the end of the 60s. We were vibe, like <laughs> whatever it was. That's how it that was. That was us. <laughs> You'll never forget what?
0: Um, I'll never forget sitting with you and listening to the 10 minute version of All Too Well and then making eye contact with you afterward. And we're both like, tears streaming down our face. And we're like, thank God. Thank God we did not get this as a teenager because oh, no, I'm I emotionally would've... stable now and a happy relationship. I did not need it as a heartbroken teenager in
1: 2012. I would have crashed my car. <laughs> I would have crashed my car if that song came and out in that 2012. Made to to die. Die. Like, that made me want to die. Like. it made me want to die. I would not, it would, I would have been unwell. And if that song like, in an alternate universe where the red re-release had happened in 2019, when I was going through the emotional turmoil that I was going through, I would have ran the car off of a cliff. It would have been (laughs) not good. Thank God it came out when I was in a happy relationship. And for me too,
0: like when I was in high school, I guess I forgot to mention this earlier when I was a crazy Swifty during fearless and speaking out, I would quote random Taylor Swift, i mean supposedly random they were not random truly i, I they were pointed <laughs> at somebody whenever i shared them but i put them in quotes so that people couldn't call me out for it but i would just post random statuses that would be like you used to shine so bright but i watched all of it fade <laughs> you call me up just to break me like a promise so casually cruel in the name of the name
1: honest. of being honest <laughs> absolutely devastating I'm so glad that I got to enjoy that re-recording with you that for me is what really like super shot me into this kind of into this mindset of appreciation for Taylor Swift bordering like obsessed obviously we have a podcast about her so that's I'm so obsessed I'm here (laughs) I want to just like take a moment to thank Taylor Swift for re-recording her music And I want to make it clear why when I was growing up, like I said, I had some really deeply rooted misogyny. It took me a long time to try to unlearn that. I'm still working on it. I didn't get to appreciate Taylor Swift's music fully when I was younger because of that deeply rooted feeling because of the societally built hatred that I had for successful, talented, attractive women. And stuff like that isn't your fault either. And that's important to note too. Thank you. I wish that I had tried to unlearn it sooner. I'm glad that I eventually did the unlearning process for me. Thank you to Taylor Swift for giving me the ability to listen to this music with fresh ears and experience what I couldn't experience when I was 14, when I was 16, when I was 12, I didn't get to enjoy those songs the way that I wish that I could have because of the feeling that I had. And now, even though I'm in my mid twenties, I am not a fresh, new to this world, new to love person that I would have been when I first listened to this music when I was younger. I'm getting to experience this without the blinding shade of misogyny. And I cannot thank her enough for that.
0: I kind of experienced the same things as you. I mean, my unfair viewpoints of her and her drama during 1989 and reputation were clearly unfair and rooted in misogyny as well. And I have so much FOMO for the rep tour specifically. And I just can't wait for reputation taylor's version so I can properly experience that era that's one of my like eras that I have a lot of regrets about. um, Because I feel bad that I wasn't in her corner when she needed people in her corner, and I know a lot of Swifties that were there for her through that really gatekeep being in the fandom which isn't fully fair.
1: I mean, I regret it too. I also, I give myself a little bit of grace because I look back on that period of time, 2017 to 2018, I was a senior in college. I had so much going on. I was working three jobs to pay off my study abroad experience and to pay my tuition and make ends meet. Mm -hmm. I had a lot going on. The drama surrounding Taylor Swift wasn't at the forefront of my brain at the time. So- how on earth was I supposed to dedicate any time to that when I couldn't even dedicate time that I needed to the schooling that I had going on
0: neither of us were super intense nasty haters we just were indifferent on the border of like dislike but we weren't hating we didn't hate her we didn't hate people that liked her I yeah, listened was, to Taylor Swift through that
1: <laughs> same it was it was literally just like a. And not my circus, not my monkeys type feeling. I'm not emotionally invested enough to care. Exactly. And I do have regrets about that as well. I, at the same time, I understand that that was all part of like a growth arc for me. And not just about Taylor Swift, but about I had other things going on in my life. I can appreciate it now. And I now know that reputation was a love album it's not like 2017 to 2018 was a great time for me in love either I probably would have been resentful towards it I would have been like okay all right still can't relate (laughs) still cannot relate and I'm sad to that point I'm glad that I get to experience being a Taylor Swift fan with you
0: yeah I feel like we really bounce off of each other which is why we got so crazy so fast we we really uh Fell into this fandom pretty hardcore, and Absolutely. I think that's because we had each other through it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, we jumped off the cliff. We're still falling. Feels good. Feels like flying. And <laughs> so we've got this podcast, which yes. I love, and I love. It's a great
0: outlet, and I can't wait for the future in um, Taylor's music. I can't wait to listen to what other vault tracks that she has hidden up her sleeve, and. I feel like from now on, we really need to make sure we get together for those re-release drops.
1: She better not do a surprise drop because if she's like 1989. We can't get together like that. (laughs) Girlie, I have a job. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take the train though. I will, no, I will buy a flight. I just need to be with you (laughs) because that red, that red release weekend, that re-release weekend was so magical for me. So I can't go without experiencing that again. And we get to do that for several more albums. I I can't wait. In the name of Tay learning, what have you Tay learned? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so annoying about (laughs) me during this episode, Olivia, putting you on the spot first this time.
0: I guess to an extent, I mean, like I was saying before, I I feel like we've already talked about a lot of this, just not in such heavy detail. And I, I knew that you... Were team Harry Styles during Haler, but I didn't realize to like the misogynistic extent of it, I guess. And I know that can be kind of rough to like work through, but I guess I just didn't realize that, you know what I mean? And I can relate to that too, you know, understanding that my dislike of Taylor is rooted in probably the same thing as you. It was just different issues. So I didn't realize we could relate to that level.
1: It was bad. It was yeah. really not good. And yeah. I, in some ways I'm dreading and in some ways looking forward to getting to talk about that when we mm-hmm. do an episode on Harry Styles,
0: which is yeah. coming.
1: Yes. Um, but it's there was a lot to work through there. And there was a lot of stuff that I said, stuff that I posted that I do have regrets about. So Exactly. And I mean, in the name of Tay learning, we're uh-huh. all learning and
0: growing and being better people.
1: We are. And also in the name of Tay learning- what did I learn about you again? Like I said, I knew most of this stuff. <laughs> I did not realize that it was folklore that like super sprung you into like being uh, down yeah. the rabbit hole. If you will, I did not realize cause you were right. so good at keeping that, like keeping calm during, folklore. Well, I mean, maybe it's because we had just become friends and you didn't want to,
0: <laughs> and we also had a friend who was very vocal
1: that she hated Taylor Swift. And I was trying to be respectful, so facts facts mm-hmm. she very much did not like taylor swift and that was you know a point of contention yes so for the both I, of us. I try not to talk about it too
0: much because at the time it wasn't a big deal but it kind of is
1: yeah <laughs> but i didn't realize because you were so good at holding it in in big part because of her i'm sure and also in big part of we had just become friends and if yeah it come off as being crazy i'm sure you wouldn't have wanted to scare me away right. even though it Turns <laughs> out we're both psychos <laughs> so wouldn't want it any other way God, me neither. I've loved this episode and getting to talk to you about your past. I'm interested in what we're doing next. What's next week's
0: episode about? So next week we are going to continue on our journey of discovering Taylor's fame anxiety with probably her most heart-wrenching song about fame anxiety, Nothing New.
1: And we still I'm so excited about this episode. If you have not listened to Nothing New, please listen to it before next week's episode. Do your homework. The way (laughs) that that song sounds is important to understand the lyrics Mm -hmm. for the emotional weight of the song. So please listen to Nothing New before next week. But with that being said, I'm Olivia. And I'm Danny. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Hey, Tay listeners, it's Danny here. Head on over to Instagram and follow us there at Tay Learning Podcast, where we will have interactive content and giveaways coming soon.